The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Now, we are in part 10 of our series, Victory. Praise the name of the Lord. Some weeks ago, we started um, because God said to us that, um, you know, we, okay, let me back up. At the beginning of every year, you know, God gives us specific things that he wants to do. So, but we, we said to God, like three years ago, we said to God, okay, um, if, we, if we were to summarize the year in one word, what will it be? And... Three years ago, he said establishment. Last year, he said what? Bloom. And this year, we said to God, if you were to summarize this year in one word, what will it be? And he said, victory. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, for there to be victory, it means there was there must have been conflict. And we trusted that in Nigeria there be victory in every area of our lives. There will be victory. In the mighty name of Jesus. So we started learning how to deploy proven military strategies that guarantees victory. Now, these strategies are rooted in the word of God, the Bible. But military generals all through the ages have deployed these same biblical principles and they have obtained victory. So we say, what about us, children of God? Why can't we learn from seemingly um, non-Christian generals that deploy Christian principles? Why can't we deploy the same principle and guarantee victory? And there's no reason why we cannot. So we started with the principle of the objective. Then we went to the offensive. Then we went to mass. Then we went to maneuver. Then we went to intelligence. Then we went to command. We went to what? Unity of command. Then we went to security. Then we went to command. Exploitation. Then we went to economy. That was last week. And today, no? What was last week? Economy. Okay, yeah, I'm right. Then today we are looking at the principle of Surprise. Surprise. The principle of surprise. Next week, we look at the principle of simplicity. Totally powerful. Then, the last week, we look at the principle of unit, um, well, no? Concerted action. Principle of concerted action. So, are you ready? Now, the word of God says that God, in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. The definition of surprise, biblical definition of surprise is to cause to feel wonder, astonishment, amazement. 
So, in other words, God is able to surprise. That's what that scripture is saying. God is able to surprise. God is able to surprise you. God is able to surprise me. And God is able to surprise our enemies. Praise the Lord. We, we, we said that in this battle of life that you have found yourself in, that I found myself in, the general of your life is who? You are the general of your life. So you call the shot. You deploy the principle of objective. You deploy the principle of offensive, the principle of mass, and on and on and on and on. And it is your responsibility to understand the principle of surprise and unleash it and deploy it to gain advantage. Every general knows that. It works everywhere. It works at work. It works in your business. It works at home. It works in your relationship. It works everywhere. So, Pastor, how do I use the principle of surprise in my relationship? It's simple. I mean, I've shared, shared this in the first two um, weekend experiences. Imagine you have, a, well, your marriage has kind of been dry lately and all that stuff. You can deploy the principle of surprise. I said to folks, the only time I cook up a lie is when I am planning a surprise for my wife. So I cook up a lie. I say, um, let's go to VI as an example. And she goes to, why are you going to VI? You just, don't worry, let's go to VI. Meanwhile, I've bought a return ticket to Calabar. So I take her straight to the airport. We park the car. She has not packed anything. When she gets to Calabar, she will shop everything she wants to wear the following day. It was a principle of surprise. <laughs> I can assure you, the fire will come back into the marriage. <laughs> you can deploy this principle everywhere at work and I can give you examples upon examples upon examples I know younger men you know I mean even now women before getting married even when they get married women naturally likes promise and men know that so men if the man wants a woman he promises her heaven and earth have you noticed that and she is always wise enough to believe Not foolish enough. Why is it not to believe? Why? You know, so, so you hear phrases like, oh, has it lied to you again? You know, why? Because women just like to be spoken to. But you see, there is, promise is good. But surprise is better than promise. Write that down. You will need it later. So the principle of surprise in warfare just simply means accomplish your purpose before your enemy can react effectively. Accomplish your purpose before your enemy can react effectively. In fact, most Military campaigns are triggered by surprise. Most wars are triggered by a surprise attack. If you check 
historical warfare. Most attacks were launched by a surprise attack. You will hardly fight two nations. Say, okay, let's start. One, two, go. No, 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 no. One will sneak and attack first. Why? Because it's a principle of war. In 1950, North Korea attacked South Korea by surprise. Took out, almost took out the nation, including the Allied forces. The U.S. were behind them. But the military general of the Americans also launched a counter-surprise in what they call the Incan landing. And he went and cut off the supply of North Korea. North Korea practically starved to death. No water, well, except seawater. <laughs> no food, <laughs> no medical supply. The war came to an end quickly. In 1967, the third Israeli-Arab war, called the Six-Day War, Arab nations ganged up against Israel. Why? Because they didn't support the 1948, I mean, creation of Israel. And they said they were going to wipe out the nation of Israel. And leading this campaign was Egypt, backed up, Egypt southwest, backed up by Syria, northeast, Jordan on the east. So Israel was surrounded as they were planning to attack Israel, Israel deployed the same principle, the principle of surprise. On the 5th of June, 1967, Israel attacked the Air Force base of Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and rendered their Air Force useless. So Israel had superior air power. By the 5th of, Israel, of, of June of that year, by the 7th, Egypt had surrendered. They are taking Gaza Strip, as Sinai Peninsula. By the 7th and 8th, they are taking West Bank and the old Jerusalem city. Jordan surrendered. By the 9th and 10th, they are taking Golan Heights. Syria surrendered. And in six days, by the 10th of June, Israel had won the war. Only six days. Because they refused to allow their enemy get ready. You see, don't allow your enemy to get ready. You do the first attack. Back in the day, you know when, before we got saved, I used to fight a lot. Those days. And there's something they called first attack. If you are able to launch the first attack effectively, most likely you win the fight. In the book of Joshua, chapter 6, 1 to 27, the children of Israel had been given an instruction to surround Jericho. And they marched around Jericho the first day, the second day, 
the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the people of Jericho were like, what are they doing? They had no clue. The seventh day, they marched out seven times. They gave a shout. As they gave the shout, the wall crumbled. Surprise. They took over. So you must learn how to deploy the principle of surprise to your advantage. You must learn it. And there are two things that produces surprise. There are two factors that make the principle of surprise kick. And the first one is speed. Everyone says speed. The second one is secrecy. Everyone says secrecy. So speed and secrecy produces surprise. Let's start with speed. God expects you to move quickly. You have an objective. Move quickly. Speed. The popular writer of um, Art of War, Sun Tzu, he said this. He said, rapidity is the essence of war. Rapidity is the essence of war. Take advantage of the enemy's unreadiness. Make your way by unexpected route and attack on guarded spots. Rapidity. For, for some people here, the summary of your life will, will be termed as go slow. Go slow is you're always crawling. You're always dragging. Things are always slow. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God will give you speed. Everything that has been holding you down, God will break their hold over your life in Jesus' name. Every baggage that has been weighing you down and preventing you from moving with speed, Jesus will lift it off your shoulder. And the yokes will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Speed is so crucial. In a lot of areas. A few days ago, I, I tweeted that I was advising ladies. And I said, ladies, when it, a man is hungry, speed is more important than quality. Men, true or false? When a man is hungry, speed is more important than quality. But a lot of, I mean, when we first got married, some 13 years ago. The new bride, my wife, <laughs> we get home early and she will want to cook everything. Now, I've refused to eat lunch at, you know, when you just get married, you, you don't eat lunch at work. Does that still happen these days? Okay, say, say what about now, Pastor, do you eat lunch at work? Well, sometimes. But the key thing here is, I get home hungry. The man is hungry. And my wife says, you know what? I want to do this. I want to make this. I want to make that. I said, I really don't care if the, uh, the peas are well aligned on the rice. Just give me something to work. I, I, I really, it's not important to me whether the tomatoes that you've cut are all set at that time when I'm hungry. Just give the man something to eat. And my wife says, oh, you know what? Five minutes, five minutes. Now, how many men know when a wife is in the kitchen and says, give me five minutes? What does that translate to? <laughs> five minutes. The man is starving. 
those are those were early days. Things have improved significantly. What am I saying? When a man is hungry, speed is what? More important than, than quality. You can apply that also to every area of your marriage. I won't say more than that. Business, same thing. When your customers are hungry, it is more important for you to deliver a working product first. Stop waiting to get a perfect product out. You can apply it across board. There's a man called Tom Monahan. This man, Tom Monahan, he was a pizza delivery boy for an Italian pizza outfit in the U.S. And, you know, every time he delivers pizza, he discovers that his customers are not happy. They are always on the edge. And when the customer is not happy, it affects his tip. Have you noticed? The customer doesn't tip well when he's not happy. So this guy is like, can't we shorten the time of this pizza process? So he went to the management and says, can't we shorten the time? They said, no, this is how pizza is made. It must go through this process before it is pizza. Out of frustration, he sold his second-hand car and started a pizza business. But his competitive advantage was speed. He, said, he says to his customers, if you order a pizza and you don't get it within 30 minutes, you have it for free. Guess what happened? The whole town began to order pizza. And some of them began to pray that this pizza will not come on time. So, so they won't have to pay. But the key thing is this. In no time, the pizza outfit started up Domino Pizza took over the pizza industry. You've heard of Domino Pizza before? That's the story behind it. Somebody decided that speed is more important than quality. When a man is hungry, that's the caveat. When a man is what? It's hungry. So if you take Domino Pizza and the traditional pizza, the average man cannot taste the difference. The Italian guy will say, oh, the cheese needs to be like this. The hungry man just needs to work. What do you need to accelerate in your life? What do you need to accelerate? In 2 Samuel 23, 15 and 16, David, 2 Samuel 23, 15 and 16, David said, I'm thirsty. I need a drink from no other well but the well at Bethlehem. And his three guys broke through the camp of the Philistines with speed. They got the water. They broke through again on the way back with speed. If they didn't have speed, they couldn't have accomplished that. I pray again that God himself will give you speed in all your endeavors in Jesus' name. The second ingredient of, of, of surprise is secrecy. Secrecy. In fact, secrecy coupled with deception in many cases. Frederick the Great said that every 
thing which the enemy least expect will succeed the best. So check what does the enemy least expect. Everything the enemy least expect will succeed the best. If the action of a commanding, attacking commander is not conducted with complete secrecy, if there's something you need to execute and God needs you to execute it with complete secrecy and you do not execute it with complete secrecy, by the time you are executing, you will be the one that will be surprised. Not the enemy. Many of us, God gives you an idea, an instruction, a direction, an image. But many of us, our mouths have truncated a whole lot of things that God wants to do in our lives. We talk too much. We talk too much. God gives you the idea and you are calling this person. You are sharing. You are so passionate. You are sharing. You are sharing. sharing. Have you noticed that when you keep sharing it, all of a sudden, the idea dwindles off? It's happened to me several times. Doesn't happen to me again. Oh, no. It used to happen to me. I I know how to keep things. You have to know how to keep things. Why? Because if you talk, it says, okay, so pastor, why does this happen? Why does it? I'll tell you why it happens. From a spiritual standpoint. Are you listening? When God gives you an idea, he expects that you incubate the idea. Everybody say incubate. As you incubate the idea, the, the, you are generating spiritual power to birth the idea. The more you talk about the idea, you are, without, before time, you are leaking the spiritual power that you need to birth it. So at the end of the day, you won't now have enough spiritual power to birth the idea. That's number one reason. Number two, sometimes when you talk about what God has told you, you put God's idea that he has given you, you put it in the public domain. When you do that, demons have access to it. And when they do, you know that is trouble. You, need, you just be fighting unnecessary battles. Unnecessary battles. Keep your mouth shut. Look at your neighbor. Say, Madam. Oga, with all due respect, pastor says I should tell you, <laughs> it's not me, oh, <laughs> that you should please keep your mouth shut. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. It will save your life. Sometimes there is a particular person, listen to this, once you tell that person, even if you don't tell anybody else, the idea will not see the light of day. And many of you, you have such people in your lives. So why do you keep talking to them? Every hole they have on you is broken now in Jesus' name. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. There's a story of Alade that had horns. Alade is a folktale, so it's a fictional story. Alade had horns. Alade was a wealthy guy. He was respected in the community. So he used to Wear a big cap. And Alade felt, oh, I have this guy, he's my best friend. He won't tell anybody. So Alade called his best friend and says, you know what, this is just between you and I. I want to show you a secret. And Alade removed his cap. And his best friend saw that Alade has horns. Alade, woo-woo. You know that story. 
Then the best friend couldn't keep it to himself. It was boiling. The thing was as if, you know, gist was boiling on him. And he says, no, I can't betray my friend. I can't tell anybody. So he decided to, he went to an empty cave and he shouted at the empty cave, Aladewuwo. In other words, Aladeas. Oh, what a relief. He thought nobody heard and nobody heard. But as the story goes, a tree grew from that cave and children made flutes from the, from the tree and everything that was being played on the flute is Alade has aunts. So the whole village knew that Alade had aunts and Alade committed suicide. Keep your mouth shut. Every strong man has something he has not disclosed. You can call it a secret. Every strong man has a secret. There are things that are only known between me and God. There's no human being on earth that knows them. Not my mother. As close as I am with, to my wife, I'm totally transparent to my wife. If you know me, you know that. She does not know. It's between me and who? And God. It's, it's, if you, some people have come and said, what's the secret of his power? Oh, the secret of power is prayer. The secret of power is evangelism. I've heard all sorts of theory. I just laugh. You have no clue. There are levels of consecration that God has with me. There are things, for instance, that... Other pastors can do that I can't do. If I try them, I'm in trouble. Consecration. Consecration. You need to realize that what makes you who God has made you to be, is that your special source? Everybody has one. Some people, it's not special anymore because it's everywhere. Keep it to yourself. In Judges 16, 15, Judges 16, 15, the word of God says, then Delilah pouted and said, how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You have made fun of me these three times now and you, sh- and you still haven't told me what makes you strong. Samson was a strong man. He had a secret and he had a girl in his life, Delilah. And Delilah said, tell me your secret. Like I said in the previous worship experiences, Samson is a very foolish boy. Very, very foolish boy. You are dating a girl and she says, tell me your secret so I can kill you. You gave her false information. She actually planned to kill you. But because of that secret you have not shown her, you overpowered all the enemies. Then you are still dating her. 
Then she tried again. You tell her something else. Then the third time, then she's now angry. She's giving you attitude. Eh, how can you say you love me? You have not told me what I can use to kill you. That's what she has said. Does that make sense to anybody? But Samson kept playing with fire. Stop playing with fire. Stop playing with fire. Samson kept playing with fire. Until the Bible says Delilah vexed him. For every Samson, there is a Delilah. Ordained Delilah. I feel I'm talking to someone in this place. Don't let Denialah terminate your destiny. I was at the bedside of someone that is very dear to me. And he was dying. The man of God was a man of God. Solid, solid, solid man of God. Many of you know him. And he said to me, Femi, said for me, I should have kept my secret secret. My heart tore. They got him because he thought everybody around him loved him. And he opened it, his, his, his treasury to everybody. And they finished him. Human beings are wicked. Look, you don't even have a clue. This one, I will finish the person first. Yes. I'm determined to do it. (laughs) Because I saw my spiritual father die. Because he didn't keep his mouth. Don't jeopardize your destiny. Don't. And the God that we serve is a God of surprises. God is a God of surprises. God always springs up surprises. Always. Always. Good surprises for his children, like we learned. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever think or imagine. Bad surprises for his enemies. In 2 Chronicles 20, 22, he laid ambush. 2 Chronicles 20, 22. He laid ambush for his enemies. Ambush. God, God was a gangster. <laughs> if you check the life of Jesus, it's filled with surprises. The the way Jesus was born was a surprise. Surprise to Herod. Surprise to everybody. Surprise to, 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 to Mary. Surprise to Joseph. Imagine you are Mary's father and you have a young girl. She's a virgin and she comes to you. She says she's pregnant. What will happen to your head? It will spin. Some men are chuckling on their seats already. <laughs> After you have calmed down and you say to her, you sharpened your cutlass. And you said to her, who is this guy? And she says, it's the Holy Ghost. How do you deal with that? 
And Jesus, who was he going to choose? He was choosing sinners. Unlikely people, surprises. His life was filled with surprises. Who was he dining with? Prostitutes. Prostitute was kissing his leg. The Bible says she was kissing his leg and wiping it with her hair. Jesus, the Son of God, holy, holy man. Filled with surprises. He missed the boat. What did he do? He walked on water. Filled with surprises. Even his death was a surprise. It was a surprise to the disciples. They said, we thought you are the one that will restore the nation of Israel. Surprise. Not me. At least not on this trip. His death was not only a surprise to, to, to the disciples, his death was a surprise to Satan. Satan and his hosts, they had no, it was a total surprise. Pastor, how did you know? Are you, are you making these things up? No, it's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 2, verse 7. It says, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a ministry, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none, how many? None of the rulers of this world knew. God was a master at keeping secrets, at surprises. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It was a surprise. When they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It was, they didn't know. When they were instigating the, the people to say, crucify him, crucify him. They did not know. When they were slapping Jesus and beating him and whipping him, they had no clue. I can imagine the host of hell on the verge of expectation, looking and saying, Nail this guy to the cross. Nail him to the cross. Everywhere was tense. We are about to get victory, they thought. They struck the nail on Jesus' wrist. And one little demon wanted to begin to jubilate. And Satan said, shoo, 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 shoo. We need to wait for him to die. And they waited. And they waited. And the sun became black. And there was earthquake. And Jesus said that word, it is finished. When he said it is finished and he gave up the ghost, hell rejoiced. Satan said it is finished. We finished him. It's done. We have gotten him. Let the party begin. I can imagine in hell, there was a huge party going on. A seven day party like the Jebu people. They were drinking. They were just party. They were grooving. Day one, party. Day two, party. On day three, the party was just, you know, getting on. And there was a huge full step coming towards the party venue. And they were like, who is that? They did a census. All, everybody was complete. All the demons, all the principalities, all the powers, everybody was. So who is that coming? You go and check, go and check. One demon ran and saw and came back. I said, Oh, God, Satan, you will not believe it. 
It is him. He said, who, who, who is he? Who? He said, Jesus. Even as he said, Jesus. All of them just have assaulted first. Then they gathered they gather themselves. Uh, it's just a story. Follow me. They gathered themselves. I said, lock the gate. Lock the gate. Lock the gate. So they locked the gate. And Jesus got to the gate. And an angel gave the instruction. Lift up your head, so ye gates. And be ye lift up, be everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And there was a challenge from that head. Who is this king of glory? The Lord. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts. Lift up your heads. Oh, ye gates. Even lift them up. Ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall. Who is this king of glory? He is the king of glory. The gates crumbled. Jesus bruised the head of Satan. He seized the keys of death and hell. And he led captivity captive. And while he was on his way, leading them to heaven, Satan said, but, 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 but I don't understand. And Jesus said, you won't understand. Satan said, but, 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 but Jesus, but you said it is finished. Jesus said, yes, it is finished. Sin is done. Sorrow is finished. Confusion is finished. Sickness is finished. Poverty is finished. Shackles and confinement are finished. Jesus said, it is finished. Satan thought Jesus was buried. But God said, no, he was just planted. It was just planted. Now listen, listen, listen. In your life, for some of you, your situation, it appears as if you were buried. As if that area of your life is buried. I'm here to say to you today, it is not buried. It is just planted. And the same power that resurrected Jesus is entering your life now and is causing there to be a resurrection. So everything that has held you captive up until now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we command you to lose their grip now. Everything that has kept your destiny or a part of your life buried, let the resurrection power bring you back to life. Let sicknesses be consumed, Lord. Let every form of shackles be broken and destroyed and let the name of Jesus be glorified Father we give you praise and glory we give you praise and glory Lord let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads as we begin to say thank you to God for his work, his victory that he has wrought for us you and I I want to pray for you if you are here you are saying pastor oh how I want to come to Jesus you can today, my sister. You can. You can come, my brother. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, in the privacy of your seat, I want to pray with you. Say, Pastor, I want to come to Jesus. Where you are seated, or you say, I used to be with Jesus, but I backslid. Can I come back today? Yes, there's no better day than now. Wherever you are seated, 
Pastor, pray with me. I want to pray with you now. Put up your hand over your head. Quickly, now, and I'll pray with you. That is me. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. That is me. Put it up. Put up that hand. God bless you. Put it up over your head. Over here. God bless you, my sister. Another hand there. God bless you. Another hand right there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. That is me. That is me. Once you have, they put a card in your hand, you can put it down back and begin to talk to God. The rest of us, I don't know what area of your life you are struggling with. I don't know what area of your life that appears to be buried. Begin to receive from God resurrection power in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? If you are online, instructions are, are, are scrolling. Instructions are scrolling on, on what to do. Anybody else? Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. I want to come to this Jesus. I want to, I want to surrender to him. I want to come back to him. That is me. Put up that hand now over your head. Quickly, I will pray. Quickly, quickly, over your head. I will pray together. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that is taking this step in surrendering to you, Lord, today. We ask, Lord, that your power, the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead, let it fill their lives now in the mighty name of Jesus. Break every chain, Lord. Set every captive free. Today, this Easter 2015, let it be a memorial in our lives. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' unfailing name, we are afraid. Amen.